Welcome to episode 300 of the No Persinium Podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, for this very special episode. I'm here with Catherine, you go first. Hello, this is Catherine, you coming at you from downtown Los Angeles. And Anthony Robinson coming to you from uh, downtown Long Beach. And I'm coming to you from, I'm not going to reveal where because you could find where I live. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but this very special episode of the podcast uh, is brought to you by many members of the team. We have three segments for you this week. Uh, first up, we've got our East Coast and Midwest squad uh, coming through with their origin stories and their hopes for the immersive future. Then we're going to tap in with a good chunk of the LA team to do some of the same. And then these lovely people who are here with me right now. Uh, are going to uh, who who listened to everything? They were there for all of the recording. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna fall into it and uh, talk about whatever it just was we were just talking about because we just recorded that segment right before we started this one. So, <laughs> uh, and in that at the at the end towards the end I shouldn't say a thing because now you're gonna jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. At the end we're going to talk about what the podcast is becoming. So we just kind of put the cards on the table for what the future of this as we go into it. Before we go, before we jump into the first segment and get you into this very long podcast for this normal-sized weekend, just want to give a shout-out to all of our Patreon backers. Patreon.com slash NoPresidium is how you support what we do, and what we do is getting more intense by the day. And the people who help us out the most with that are the Sustaining Backer Squad. That would be Ari Hurstend, Brittany, Deborah Robinson, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Baltazar, Samuel Mustry, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. Thank you all so much for helping us through. And without further ado, because this is a lot of us talking. It's here true. Comes, yeah, here, here comes the show. <laughs> Well, well, that was an amazing opening we just had. You are so funny and <laughs> uh, Okay, yeah. Uh, as you can tell, this is the very first thing we're recording for this episode. Uh, so, uh, words, words and all. And uh, tonight, this is this is the biggest segment we've got, right? Am I right? The most people. I, I think we have people from five different cities. People from five different cities right now. Wowzers. Um, okay. So here's, here's, what's going to uh, be happening here. Uh, with this batch, we've got Leah Davis and then we have Patrick McLean and then we have Blake Weil and then we have Michaela Ternaski Holland. Uh, and that's like the order of people who are like newest to the club all the way going back. Uh, I've actually lost track of, of how long people have been rolling with us because uh, we're episode 300. This is like seven. We've been doing this for seven years. Like not the pod, this podcast for six, but like the, the whole thing. We've been doing this for a very long time. So uh, how's everyone doing? That's the part where you guys can I'm open your mics. <laughs> 
very good. It wasn't stressful where we all were all told to be very careful in speaking <laughs> over each other, and then we're asked all at the same time to say hello. Hello. What is this, a Zoom call? <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, doing well here as well. Uh, it's It's been a really awesome few years at NoPro, and... All right, wait for your turn. Wait for your turn. You'll get, you'll get yours. You'll get your turn. Hold on. Hold on. Just we got an order. Good. We have an order to this. I'm good. We got an order to this. Uh, and that order starts... Uh, Leah, you're you're the you're the latest, and you just you just volunteered to do something. <laughs> well, not volunteered. You responded to a request uh, starting next month that I'm like both overjoyed and uh, so relieved. But um, you've 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 made a you made a little splash with us uh, since you arrived. But uh, the sort of the question we're putting to everybody is like, what's your what's your immersive origin story? Like, who who were you when we when we all connected? Um, uh, when well, you, when you jumped on and agreed to be part of this weird pirate armada of ours, uh, well, first of all, Arg, um, I am so happy to be plundering with you guys. Uh, <laughs> well, I thought you were an ARG, which I mean, not an ARG, and this will become very salient later on as we speak to some of our other staff members. No, 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 we're just full pirate here. Not aired. Right. Okay. So anyways, yo-ho. Um, so immersive origin story. That's a really tough one. First of all, second of all, I am really surprised that I'm the newest crew member in this group here. Um, I feel like I've been involved with NoPro forever because clearly I've been a fan for a while. Uh, my immersive origin story goes back to when I was a kid before I knew what immersive even was. I found myself working at a haunted a haunted woods out in Saratoga, California, uh, and I fell in love. Those were some of the happiest years of my childhood, um, out in the forest painting giant Frankenstein monsters with um, crazy adults. So I started there, and I felt like everything that really pinged for me had some element of immersive to it as I grew up. Um, I was working in VR for a little while uh, with Electric Sheep Company. Uh, I enjoyed theater like Sleep No More or like Then She Fell. Uh, I liked haunted houses. I liked virtual reality. All these things felt really separate for me in my life. Um, and to be honest, when I first found No Pro and Everything Immersive, it felt like another lane of immersive theater. So I in, in my mind, I was juggling all these different lanes and types of immersive, um, including eventually LARP. Um, and when the pandemic happened, we, I witnessed what felt like a convergence of all of these various worlds um, in a way that I hadn't really experienced before. So something switched for me and I started thinking about all of these things that I really loved in my life as falling under the umbrella of immersive. And that's when I first felt comfortable saying, hey, I, I have a lot to say about all of these different things. Um, I have a lot of experiences across a lot of different types of immersive, and I'd like to start sharing that with people and maybe see how we can all learn from each other um, in a cross-discipline sort of way. So I reached out, um, and here I am. You guys graciously accepted my offer to write <laughs> a really self-involved first piece, uh, and we've we've grown since then together. I I love that you point to the pan the kind of the upside of the pandemic of that 
you know, starting to see this as, as all converging into being, you know, one thing. Um, I, I wonder how many other people are having that experience or have had that experience over the past year. I don't know, but one of the things I'm really concerned about um, as live theater starts coming back is access for people who don't live in major cities. Um, I think mm. we've just had this amazing uh, shift in how we think about who gets to see immersive and what immersive is uh, and what kind of critical mass you need for immersive. Um, and I'm a little bit nervous that everything's going to go back to New York and LA. So. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, we've, we've loved over the past few years watching sort of things spread, spread around. And actually that might be like a, a good, a good segue over to, to Patrick, um, who's sort of next in line and uh, is is repping out of Chicago. So, and also you you did a little thing in the notes. You were like, I'll hear here on access. So yeah, let's slide over there. So like Patrick, talk to that for a second, but also uh, talk about Chicago and like, you know, how you, how you jumped on this train. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll build to my comment and thoughts on access. So uh, I, I like Leah had a great many interests in, you know, different forms of creativity and art and was constantly exploring them. But I ultimately went to school for, uh, and got a degree in playwriting through the theater school uh, at DePaul University. And it was a really rewarding time. And I learned a lot about, you know, I think the basics of storytelling that are applicable in a great many mediums. And then I, for the next uh, six to eight years, did the hustle just trying to be a playwright, to write plays with A wants something from B, but B won't give it. And you have, you know, your your escalation of drama to a climax and then cutting down or making that perfect 10-page sampler and sticking that as an attachment in an email to be submitted to a theater to never be read by anyone. And I, I have done many internships at many prestigious local uh, theater companies, traditional theater companies, and you just see the stack of like those plays to be read. And it's understandably, like it's understandable, but disheartening. And, but I tried to do it. I tried, like, that's what I went to school for. This is what I've quote committed myself to end quote, and I was going to really do it. And it got very tiring and the rejection was a bit much in the sense of like, you just submit and you keep doing it. And, the, and I was putting so much into it and getting so little of it out while I began to realize, well, why did I stop pursuing uh photography? Why did I stop doing role-playing games with my friends? Why did I stop doing board game nights? Why did I uh, stop doing all sorts of interesting and engaging things that were equally uh, rewarding? So I, I began to get into that and explore different opportunities. And unsurprisingly, <laughs> it was kind of in a weird way, Dean Corrin, who I believe Noah, he had my position. He was kind of sort of the Chicago curator. Um, yeah, he, Dean. Dean was our first Chicago slash Midwest curator once upon a time. Yeah, and he had recently, and, and over the years, I reconnected with him. But he had started doing work with a local company here, Birch House Immersive, uh, and he was getting into like exploring new things. And I went and saw one of their shows, and it was like very 
eye-opening and such an engaging experience to be like, oh my God, this is what I've been searching for. Like something that just gets me out of the seat with everybody else just staring straight ahead into the darkness, not interacting or engaging, like being part of it in a, a, a symbiotic way that's both rewarding to performer and creator and audience. And it was just eye-opening, engaging. And he was like, well, you should start listening to the podcast, start reading No Proscenium. And then he gave me other resources. And I did. And then like three episodes into listening to the podcast, Noah, you were like, uh, we're looking to expand. We're looking to get out more. Just to send me, <laughs> just reach out. And I'm like, and at that point, I'm like, I have nothing else going on. And I'm so frustrated with Aww. so many other avenues. And I'm like, what could it hurt to just simply be like, hey, uh, I started listening three episodes ago, and I'm in Chicago, and they are there is stuff happening here. Would that be helpful? And it, yes, extremely helpful. <laughs> so helpful, you have no idea. Yeah, and and, and from that to just jump ahead, like it, the last uh, couple of years has been really rewarding, and I've seen so much uh, amazing work and connected with so many people both here in Chicago and now through VR and some other stuff, just the scene at large. And it's just been so really rewarding. But then on that note of access to, to button this quickly is I feel like the pandemic has, is a blessing and a curse blessing in the sense, I think where like Leah pointed out, like a lot of people in being trapped at home and having access to be online have interconnected and learned and engaged with people and have tightened the community of people who are really dedicated day in and day out. Uh, but then I think, unfortunately, you know, not everyone can weather this, or maybe you realize I don't maybe want to be doing this now that I'm taking a year and a half off and engaging with it. And I do have some reservations as, and I've spoken to, I know Noah, you about this briefly. It's like, I'm the Chicago curator, but I do have concerns that maybe like, oh, I haven't heard a lot from a lot of companies during this time. I'm very curious what's going to happen. But then I am excited to find out that I just like 90 minutes, 30 minutes before did a VR experience with live performers and audiences from all over, uh, audience members from all over the world. And it's like, it's still happening. Like, so I think, you know, for all the bad that's happened, I think people are excited and ready to get out of the darkness, to get up out of that chair and stop staring forward and start looking around and being part of the experience. And I think I'm excited for where all the places will go because of that. That's a lovely note. I think we're gonna we're gonna tap into sort of where everyone see things going uh, once we once we cleared through everyone's kind of origin story, get everyone to introduce them. But like that's that's a good thing to like kind of put a put a pin down for us about you know how how has the pandemic kind of changed the dynamics and what doors has opened or any doors closing and make your nose. I've got a I've got a bunch of thoughts, but you know that's what the end of the show is for. Um, <laughs> Uh, Not next, 13 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, uh, well, at this point, it'll probably be 20. We have a top to the show. We don't know what we did, but um, Blake, uh, Blake, who is who is maybe virtually traveled the farthest of any of us on a regular basis during pandemic. But Blake, uh, Blake, you've got you've got probably like one of the one of the the, the keener uh, origin stories here with No Pro. Lots of characters. Oh my God! It's 
it's sort of a six degrees of separation of the east coast immersive world so like all good stories it starts with me being kind of a nerdy awkward kid and one of those really kind of dangerous combos of both nerdy and extroverted so you know watch out everybody so i i remember kind of the first big thing i got into was the Cloverfield ARG. And then from there, you know, it was one thing after another, following these things online, never really getting the chance to be a man on the ground, so to speak, but vaguely falling into LARP. And then my friend Aaron, who I had met at MAGFest in 20... MAGFest 2019 said to me, hey, there is a LARP up in Pennsylvania called On the Rocks, and they've had a last-minute dropout. Do you want to come and do this weird LARP of Mad Men meets American Gods? And I said, sure, why not? And so we spent this lovely weekend where I got an invite and a ticket to go to Dragon Thrones, also in Pennsylvania, also a big LARP, where I met ARG Net's own and now my good friend, Michael Anderson. Yay! So fast... <laughs> Catherine knows where this is going, because she's she's the next player to pop up. Fast forward to Comic-Con 2019, and Michael Anderson, who I'm not very close with at the time, but we keep in touch, has posted on Facebook, hey, some big ARG stuff going on on the ground at Comic-Con. We need someone for the Yarnies ARG for Magic oh Leap. And we need right. someone for, um, and if anyone wants to join me, I'm also going to be going to the activation for the Unknown Nine Transmedia Universe, which had a huge ARG launch and just relaunched. And so I did those, and I gotta say, I was blown away. Uh, the Yarnies was just this really fun, very sort of, DIY ARG that had a real grit and texture to it. And the Leap Year Society initiation for Unknown Nine, that was my first time going to the McKittrick. I had heard about it for years because I had a director of a high school play I was in who was obsessed with Sleep No More and partially themed our staging of this very strange, very silly high school play off of Sleep No More. She tried to do this sort of in the round with some audience movement thing. It worked, it worked, but it was nothing like Sleep No More. But I digress. The point is, Michael says, hey, you know, my friend Catherine has a podcast, and since you were on the ground, you know, and witnessed the ARG finale in which the Wasserstein Grail was spirited away the wasserstein grail being this bizarre little relic that i barely remember how it functioned in the universe at this point it was like paper mache and some of the lost pages of a comic yes oh, that, was Yarny, in... that was a, that was one of the Yarny yeah. ones okay. and it was yeah. something where it had it was like the... traveled by car from like indiana and the woman I remember. in charge was like blogging and taking pictures about how she was keeping it safe but she was being followed and they had decoys there so that they couldn't follow the true grail. So I got this, it was actually a plastic decanter wrapped in paper mache that I was told to run as far as I could from the convention center and like send a photo of. And so, this is on the convention center floor when people are doing like signings. 
Like it's someone so- was going to nab the grail and you were part of the, like, um, the, the distraction. You were part of the diversion. Exactly. And what, what Catherine has actually never heard about this story, although I suppose could be surmised, is that I was in costume this entire time. That weekend I was wearing an eye patch, a fake goatee, and a snakeskin jacket, and carrying around a baseball bat. So this was kind of a major adventure. But I went on the podcast, and Catherine was lovely and gracious, and... <laughs> Was, you were not wearing the eye patch at that time. You had I was not off. wearing the eye patch at that time. Um, and it was really just sort of this introduction into this very thrilling world. And I was super excited. And I had just moved to New York. I was actually at Comic-Con that weekend, also hunting for an apartment. And so I said, like, hey, you know, if you ever need someone to pick up an article here or there, this seems like a really cool publication. And Catherine. Here or there. <laughs> oh, that went pretty quick, quickly out the window. Catherine, as a test run, sent me to uh, my first show, which was Please Resist Thank You or Party from Future Proof. And the rest is history. It's been kind of great. Well, I've got some news for you. One, you, you know that the story of the Yarnies has continued in in the form of like an audible radio play now, right? I am thrilled to hear that it has. Uh, Michael had mentioned it to me. I have not had a chance to listen yet. Please, if anybody spoils this for me, I'm going to go nuts. But, you know, especially now that we're kind of returning to immersive in person, there's almost kind of this great feeling that it's coming back like you know it's a homecoming for me that you know i started with the yarnies and now that we're emerging back into live action immersive the yarnies is still here with me and that feels pretty great and in more than one way uh because uh one of the one of the fun things people are going to find in episode 3r1 is the interview i just did about two hours ago which is with Sean Stewart, Austin Grossman, and Neil Stevenson talking about Newfoundland, the long haul. Um, and they're going to be on the show talking about the continuation of, uh, of, of the Yarnie story, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, so there, <laughs> there's the first tease and plug. That's going to be one of the things that's happening in that episode. Um we're, we're, we're chugging away towards like the time where we got to stop and realizing we're going to get like everyone's origin stories and maybe like two minutes of like looking to the future, like lightning round. So Michaela, uh, who's, who's been with, with the crew the longest uh, for the folks who are here right now, um, drop in with, with your origin. Cause, uh, you've, I mean, your career has been just doing like totally rad, but I remember we like, we, we connected like a long, long time ago. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. It's so exciting just to have, you know, a little taste of the NoPro family because it definitely has felt like we've been in in an interesting little slumber. It's definitely been an active slumber, but I feel like we're finally starting to come sort of into an awakening of our own. Um, and, And I think this is the perfect way to kind of surmise that, Noah. So thank you so much for putting this together. Um, I got into immersive when I was younger, actually. I was very passionate about dance and performance and 
really was trying to figure out ways that you could make dance feel immersive even in high school. I was like putting dancers in the bleachers for the gym performance rallies. I was putting dancers in the in the audiences during our big like performing arts center shows and I was really thinking about how you could tell stories through dance, not just oh that's a nice dance performance but actually portray like circus performers or portray like a a story that actually takes place three different times throughout the dance show and increasingly sort of creates narrative through the movement, through the props at the three different intervals or interludes throughout the full length dance performance. Um, So yeah, playing with this idea of narrative, but I didn't realize that I was really doing what I was doing until I decided to tell my parents that I was going to take a gap year and pursue my professional dance career. And they said, hell no. And they they said, you're not going to be dancing until you apply to college. So I really had to sit down and think, okay, well, if I have to go to college, what do I want to study? Um, And I decided I wanted to study journalism. I was really interested in telling real people's stories in a very similar way that I was telling stories in the stage. So went to school at UC Irvine, was able to gallivant through Los Angeles at the same time and audition for uh, professional dance career gigs with my agent, as well as go to school for Irvine. Um, at Irvine in journalism, and my parents didn't think twice about what I was doing, and they were very happy that I was in college. And that all sort of came crashing down when I... Oh, no. Oh, no, we lost Michaela. She was just getting to the good part. Oh, no, can you hear me? Yeah, no, we can. Oh, you're back. Fantastic. So you said uh, show, cleanliness, (laughs) story, and then it just kind of like went into the ether. (laughs) You summoned five keys and Walt appeared and snatched you away. So (laughs) That's kind of what it felt like. I thought I like my, yeah, my screen went black. Anyway, so uh, (laughs) yeah, and and I was 19 years old and I was, and it's not like even, and it's not like theme parks. I went on to do the theme parks, but actually like I was on that ship every day for six, six or seven months and I was so embedded, not just within the story of entertainment, but within the story of dining, the story of guest services, the story of hotel, because it's all taking place on a on a radius that's half mile. Um, and also how guests move throughout the ship. I started to realize the way that Disney would schedule things throughout the cruise ship was really a, a way to control ca- traffic flow. Um, so yeah, it was incredible. And then I came back from that experience and of course, my family was upset and they said I would never finish my college degree. So to prove them wrong, I came back and finished my college degree within the four years I started, even though I took nine months off. And while I was getting my continuing my degree in journalism, I then went and worked for Disneyland and SeaWorld and Legoland as a performer and dancer. And so while I was sitting there in journalism class one day, I realized that there was something missing in journalism, and that was the immersion and interactivity of storytelling that I was experiencing on a day-to-day basis with the theme parks that I was working at. And at that point, I decided I was going to make it my life's goal to make nonfiction media, documentarian medium, uh, the journalism medium feel more immersive and interactive. And that's really what took me forward into my career working at Time Magazine when I got to move to New York and I got to be a part of not only Time Magazine, but Sports Illustrated and People Magazine and Sunset Magazine and all these incredible brands and help usher in their era of virtual reality and augmented reality storytelling. And I have so many stories to tell from that, but I know my origin story needs a wrap up cue. So I was at Time Magazine and I was doing all these incredible projects. We did the 
the first bottom top climb of Mount Everest and we won all these cool awards. And I just realized that the people that I was telling the stories about didn't look like me. <laughs> yeah, it was like one of those moments where I was like, wow, I'm telling a lot of uh, middle-aged white human stories. And I am a queer person of color who was 25 at the time years old. And I felt that it was a moment for me to be able to leave where I was at Time Magazine on a really positive note and start to pursue storytelling for the people that looked like me and sounded like me. And my first project out the gate was at Sheffield Doc Fest. It won the award for, it won a commission and then it went on to win the award. And it was actually a physical installation that had a virtual reality piece embedded in it. And it was a documentary about a woman who suffered from gun violence. And so I remember coming back the summer of 2018 um, had like Project Blues from this amazing high of being in the UK and putting up my first big installation and having my big directorial premiere at a festival. And I was just like, wow, I don't want to feel alone in this world. And how can I go get involved in other people doing immersive and interactive work? And that's what landed me into the inbox of Noah and Catherine. And I sent them my stuff and I sent them my resume and it's sort of like the beginning of the amazing journey that I've had with NoPro. Uh, yeah, and I still create immersive interactive experiences from physical installations to virtual reality and augmented reality, as well as experiential sort of moments within events. And I still really focus on journalism. I still really focus on the nonfiction and I also focus on the social impact. And I actually chair a grant. So if there's anyone listening who's looking to get funding for a project that's immersive or interactive that has a focus on a social impact strategy, um, feel free to check out the social impact grant on Artisan. Yeah, Bam! Boom. And I do. I really do encourage people to check out the Artisan grants because there's there's a number of them that I think the creators in our community, uh, I know a few creators in our community have uh, connected with them. Uh, I sit on the, the one, the uh, transformations grant if memory serves that's the name of the one i'm on uh and and the last group we gave that to one of the creators uh they got their start uh at cyark here in la and so we reached out to them to like talk to them try to get them on the show at some point and they're like oh oh i was there like in so-and-so's class when you came and talked to us and i was like oh my god this world is like super small um but i'm i'm just thankful that you know with all that you're doing on 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 the production side that we, we still are able to talk you into like, you know, poking your nose into things for us when you're like at Tribeca or something. So it's uh, it's always good to have you there in that. All right. Because this is such a big show. And let me tell you, I wish the people who are listening could see what's going on in the chat because there's always a chat going on when we have this many people in the room and there are stories that are being teased that I wish we could get into right now because Ermagerd, but what we're going to do instead is we're going to give everyone on the show a chance to do, which is to treat this almost like it's a new Year's show and give us like, you know, what, what's the, what's the one thing you're, you're kind of hopeful for in, in, in this uh, immersive year to come. Blake, you drew the short straw by volunteering to go first. Go for it. So a while back, uh, a little over a year ago, I wrote kind of a bah humbug piece in the newsletter talking about how I think that Christmas has a bit of a cultural thematic monopoly and that we need a wider, more diverse array of themes and topics and realms to be explored beyond what's marketable, I guess. 
and what's been done. And one of the things that I've really kind of loved during the pandemic is now that now that ease of producing a show has gotten so much greater, we're seeing this real diversity of ideas and topics and thematics, people willing to dive in on things I never would have seen even right before the pandemic. I just got out of the other week a sapphic time travel Agatha Christie murder mystery. So I am really thrilled to see more of that kind of thematic wild exploration. Oh, I didn't open up my own mic. Michaela, I believe we tagged you to go next. Um, I think in the XR world, I'm really excited for the new era of the spatial web. Uh, this idea that the web could become something more 3D. So instead of surfing the web on a 2D platform, we're actually exploring the web within a 3D space. And I know it's going to take a little while to build up everybody's personal endurance methodologies around this. And I don't mean just only headset-based modules. I also mean, you know, mobile device modules. Uh, but I think that's really going to be an exciting way of opening up potential storytelling for both the physical and the digital world. I have to say, um, I also really am hoping for the future that we are going to see more people of color and communities um, who have stories have not been on display and have not been celebrated as much um, on display, not only because they're being produced, but because they're also being funded, 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 funded. That is what I'm saying for the future. Let's get some amazing people of color, LGBTQIA, female, all of it, all those stories funded and at the, at the surface and sold out because they deserve it. And they've been hiding in the shadows for far too long. And we will definitely, we'll, we'll have you back on to talk about funding uh, and as we enter into the new era, because I think putting some, putting some spotlight on who's doing it, who's getting it, who's not getting it, and what we can all do to make that better is, uh, is a big part of the mission for going forward for, uh, for all of us, but really for us indeed. Um, not that we're swimming in money over here, but we got to make sure that people are getting it. All right, um, Patrick, you are up next with our flash forward. Yeah, and I think honestly, the th the thing that currently most excites me about the future is the potential and the audiences that are out there. And I mean both audience as in those locally to wherever you are and those globally, because I feel like people have are, are are more willing now to embrace and take risk on exploring and getting more out of both the experience of going to see art and culture and then being involved with it and i think people are really up and ready to go uh <laughs> joke we talk about here is uh you know a lot of like the immersive immersive van gogh and things like that but i've know so many people who are so ready just to experience something new to get out to be active to be engaged that they're like that sounds great and so i'm excited that here in the future that there'll be more opportunities 
uh, for creators to be funded, to have performances, to discover things, because there's audiences who want to go out there and see them and take part and hopefully uplift and engage. Fantastic. And now, last but not least, who we started with in this section uh, and who has the story that, that I wish we could pull out of the chat but don't have the time for, Leah. What's my story? You'll never know. Uh, <laughs> That's that training. Ah, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> only All for right. Patreon backers. <laughs> oh God! That's, yes. Oh dear. Uh, right. So there are a few things that I'm excited about. There are a few things I'm worried about, and there is what I think is going to happen. So what I think is going to happen over the next couple of years, what we're going to see is uh, a bunch of interdisciplinary exploration uh, where experts in some form of immersive uh, like LARP or dance are going to start incorporating aspects of other forms um, of immersive like haunted houses or ARGs or virtual reality or what have you um, in ways that are really interesting and probably kind of messy. So I'm excited to see what people learn from each other. Um, I'm also excited to see what happens when the chaos settles down a little bit and pe when people find what really works um, from the bits and pieces that they've borrowed from other, other types of immersive art. Um, what I'm nervous about is well, I guess, I guess the chaos I'm a little bit nervous about, excited to see a little bit nervous about. Uh, and what I'm hopeful for is that, uh, well, okay, I'm, I'm the platonic ideal of a, uh, an audience member. I'm not a creator. Um, so as an audience member, I'm just really hoping that creators stay humble and curious when they're exploring these other forms um, so that we can really just like lift and take the best parts out of all types of immersive theater and put them together and make them available to even more people. And that is a lovely, lovely note for us to close the first segment out on. Leah, Michaela, Blake, Patrick, thank you all for taking time out of your night. Thank you all for, for being part of this weird pirate L armada. Literally everything. <laughs> yeah. This, 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 this strange friend, family, found family we've made. Like every time someone sticks around for longer than a few weeks, I'm I'm always in shock. And I think over the course of pandemic, like at some point, I, I woke up and realized just just how many people were were running on. But uh, but anyway, more later. Also, the the LA crews like standing by, like texting me, like when is our turn? And so we're gonna go, gonna get them. Uh, we'll we'll be taking a short break, and we'll be back with uh, the LA team uh, in just a couple of moments. Thank you all. So we had the East Coast and the Midwest crew on our last segment, and now we're all in Los Angeles. Uh, everyone who's either talking or listening on this call is in the City of Angels right now, although we're all in different parts <laughs> of the city, and maybe one person's listening technically not in Los Angeles, but you know, still in Los Angeles. Um, 
this time out, uh, we've got Juliet, Kevin, and Laura. And whereas last time we went with the folks who were newest and then to the folks who've been with us the longest, this time we're going to start with someone uh, who uh, who actually, as Catherine just pointed out, wrote our original review of The Nest. Um, and that is our, our, our dear friend and often contributor, uh, Juliet Bennett-Ryla. Hey, Juliet. I haven't seen you in like uh, almost 24 hours now. <laughs> that is correct. Yes. So how did you get involved in doing all this weird immersive stuff? What's your, what's your origin story? How do you, how do you wind up playing with us on occasion? Um, well, broadly, I used to do a lot of performance myself back in, um, I guess my, when I, when I was like in college in Michigan, um, I used to be in a band and do a lot of stuff. Um, and then after I moved to Los Angeles, I, kind of stopped doing that altogether, but um, was working as a journalist when I just started covering art and culture in Los Angeles um, and gravitated toward a lot of immersive work, um, escape rooms, haunted houses, theater, uh, pretty much anything I would go to and cover. And then at some point, I believe our mutual friend Abel introduced us because you were doing a lot of immersive stuff and I was doing a lot of escape room stuff. and yeah, um, that's just kind of been the case for the next several years. Um, I contribute to NoPro when I can. Um, <clears throat> obviously, as somebody who works for a lot of different outlets, a lot of the time, it's not always NoPro, but um, often is um, when, I, when I have that ability. So yeah, I guess that's my origin story in a nutshell. When we did, we did a fair amount of like haunt stuff together, mm-hmm. I think. Like, I think, I think the first time that we met was actually like on the podcast and it was like you, me, Abel, and we were talking about like escape rooms and haunts or something like that. I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then we've like, we've often carpooled a lot. So we've like been to like a lot of like really, we've, we've got more than once we've gone to like strange places to like, like, where are we now? How far down to Orange County are we? Yeah. Yes. Um, those tend to be out in kind of the middle of nowhere, um, or at least where public transit does not go. So yeah. <laughs> traveling beyond the, the pale, uh, next in the line on the origin stories, uh, would be Kevin Gossett. Hello, Kevin. Hey, how's it going? It's going good. Uh, so yeah. How did you, how did you fall into this? I think world of ours? I think uh, my origin story is going to be probably a familiar one to a lot of people. Um, so I was I was visiting New York one summer. I was I don't even know what I was googling something, and I found Sleep No More. I was like, oh, that seems interesting. Like I'll get tickets to that over there. And then I think I was looking for. I continued looking deeper and found that she fell. I was like, oh, I'll get tickets for that one too. While I'm here on on vacation, might as well take advantage. And then that was just kind of from there. It's it's off to the races i think those are two of like the biggest shows for a reason um well sleep no more is still uh that she fell is is no longer with us for the time being um but those are just such like i think iconic and and representative of immersive as a whole for a reason i think they're once you kind of do those you're kind of sucked into the the wider world and it's hard to kind of escape uh, what those what those bring and then when I got back to LA, I was really looking for something else to to do. And it was right around when Tension was running. 
So I think I hopped on that. It was kind of like those three back to back to back were were just like the start of this. And there's no real escaping those kind of heavy hitters all all grouped together. It's like so all in the same year. Boom, boom, yep. boom. Oh yeah, you were doomed. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no way out for me. Yeah. yeah, particularly if you liked like any two of them, and I know I'm pretty sure you liked all three. So that that was all she wrote. There's why, no escaping. But why why do this part of it? Like why write about it? I'm I think I've just always kind of looking for for new things to do, and I think immersive especially provides a lot of kind of meat in terms of a lot of thematic elements are, are part of these shows, and then there's also just kind of the the breakdown of of why they they work as well as they do or or don't work. Um, and I think that's just interesting to kind of write and talk through some of those things. Um, and the, and the crew here is, is a great way to kind of get some of those thoughts out um, to a wider audience and, and get some feedback and, and chat with people about shows. There's something where like the, the, the breaking down of stuff, like, you know, I think immersive and, and anybody, you feel free to correct me or, or, or tag in on this. Like I, th- I think, oh, so here, so here's like an example. So like we had a meetup last night. And Terrence Leclerc, uh, one of the actors on on the immersive scene here, uh, he came up, and it was it was a meetup at uh, at the Roguelike Tavern in in Burbank. We had like f- like forty eight people show, which was like you know the most human beings I've been in a space with like in forever. And Terrence rolls up, and he and he says, you know, doesn't this feel like being in the bar after the show? And like, like we all just did the pandemic experience and like, what track were you on? And, and that's like kind of the, the, the gag of it at the moment. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but there's, but, it, but it, and it did kind of feel that way, but like, there is something where like the, the, the trading notes after the show is, is mm-hmm. in kind of an integral part of it. Right. You know, like that shared the, experience comparing notes. What did you see? What did you not see? And then being like, Oh, I need to go back. Yeah. The, I need to go back part. And then just like the fact that like, you know, you can have such a massive Delta, you know, like one person can have an experience that completely falls apart. Another person can have like the most amazing night, like in the same show. Right. Yeah. And I think even, especially those three that I, they start out with, those are ones you you'll have a different experience from the person next to you just about every time, um, no matter what you're doing. So I think it's, that really is like, I think one of the key pieces and I think what really gets people further into the scene is, is, is just kind of shooting the shit after a show and, and having the chance to talk about it and like, Oh man, that was, that's so cool. I gotta go back. I gotta go back. I gotta go back. I think that's, we've all done that at some point, I'm sure. Um, with any of these live shows. <laughs> Catherine in the chat is like, do we say we can curse? Of course we can fucking curse. It's, it's episode three. I don't know. You have to tick that box on freaking <laughs> iTunes or something and be like, oh, this episode's explicit. It's well, not for that, children. That, that, that is cool and looks like it's explicit. Like we get put in the same category as like hardcore rap and like, you know, comedians. Parental so, discretion is advised. It's always advised. So it's just, it's, yeah, always feel free to drop the bomb. Uh, Laura. Your 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 latest to to the team. What's what's your origin story? How do you wind up on our fair shores, or, or maybe not so fair? I'm so happy to be on these fair shores. Um, my background is in theater, and then I sort of did this experiential leapfrogging. Um, I wound up in experiential marketing, and from there into film and some VR, and throughout all of this, a common thread was installation art. So. 
this very, uh, I often describe it as sort of an experiential or immersive salad. And then, um, yeah, then just dove in full force once the pandemic hit. And there'd been things that I was doing in person throughout that whole time. But then once the pandemic hit and there was all of this incredible remote work, um, I was just like, great, let's, I, I'm just going to do this and throw myself into it as, as deep and as far as I can go. I'm having a brain fart. It's okay. I'll cut this part. But you know, you joined us like right before the pandemic. I remember you were saying, Oh, I'm going to San Francisco at the beginning of 2020. I want to review some of the stuff I'm seeing there. And then, you know, I think a lot of people would not have like, you know, really done that deep dive. And like you, you returned to the online remote immersive buffet many times. And so I think we're all really appreciative of just how much you were like, all right, well, things are changing and I'm going to embrace this and see if it still works for me. I, I think it's been so exciting. I'm just thrilled to even be having this conversation on episode 300 and what we're going to dive into in terms of like what we're looking forward to, where we think that we're headed um, broadly as an industry. But I, I feel like this this past year plus has been truly, I mean, I don't mean to minimize the heartbreak and the challenges in any way. But I also think there has been so much creativity. There's been so much innovation. I have absolutely loved getting to know the no-pro community, the really sort of intimate no-pro community, the, the broader, um, you know, sort of like no-pro tentacles that get out there, which are really far-reaching. And all of the people that I've met and spoken to across different genres and platforms and styles. So I think it's been an incredibly exciting time. And I, I, I'm, I'm absolutely grateful for the past year, um, as difficult as it has been in other ways, no question. I want to crack this open for, for everybody because, you know, we're in this even maybe stranger moment of quasi reemergence, right? This moment where like hybrid things are happening, online stuff is still going, people are starting to do physical shows. There's there's both like trepidation, but also a lot of wild abandonment, kind of temperature check with like everybody. Um, and I and I don't know who wants to like jump in first to you know feel free to open your mic up and and I'll, I'll know who to throw it to. But I am curious about you know how people are feeling at this moment, um, and there's there's some there's some other questions I like you know, specifically have. Um, like Juliet and I were having an interesting conversation last night about just about like incubating the work, and I, I think we can go pilot towards that. But specifically about this moment right now, you know, are are all of you, you know, I know some of us have already seen stuff in person, you know, are. Are, are we excited about that? Are, are we eager? Does it even, does it feel weird? Does it feel strange? Kevin, go for it. Yeah, I think it's like, I, it does feel weird. And I don't know that if I would, I would go to like an in-person experience just yet. And then I, I say that, but I, I think if JFI announced they were having a new creep tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah, let's go. Like, and I dive right back in. 
Um, so I think maybe it's dependent on like kind of the show and what's happening and who's producing it and, and do I trust them or is it something I'm super interested in? Um, so I think there's some still some hesitations. I think it will just be weird to kind of be be that like immersed in stuff, whether it's with with masks on or even just kind of some like level of being uncomfortable with people being that close to you, like which is such a hallmark of immersive experiences. It's kind of people just in your face, kind of like in your space in the small rooms and everything that goes with that. So I think it's kind of a mixed bag, but I would probably jump back in for the the right show much faster than, than some other things. Juliet, you went to a show uh, the other night, but also like the, the meetup last night. So, yeah, uh, I'm pretty much fine with it. I mean, I got vaccinated and I, have been taking public transit sparingly this whole time. So it's not like I've been able to really isolate the way that I wanted to. Um, you know, if I had to go to the store, I still had to be on a bus. And I, I didn't want to do that. That was pretty nerve wracking for me for a while. But uh, since being vaccinated, yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty much all in. I probably wouldn't go to like a, a rave or a nightclub, but I probably wouldn't have done that anyhow. Um, I just don't have a lot of trepidation about it. I mean, certainly if something were to happen and there were to be some sort of announcement from the CDC that something had gone wrong, I would obviously go back to following those instructions. But yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty comfortable. Um, I do hope that we get to keep a lot of the virtual stuff, or at least some of the virtual stuff, because I have actually become one with my house and I'm totally fine with seeing a show online. And <laughs> I am not super excited about like, spending a lot of time on the bus or spending a lot of money for Lyft to go to some 20 minute experience. Particularly because uh, Lyfts are getting like more expensive. Like that's yeah, something really to talk about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm totally ready. And I hope that, um, you know, I think there's space to live in a hybrid world, just like people are going back to the office some days and people are working from home other days. I think that um, a lot of people have learned a lot of really interesting things about how to work in VR or over zoom. Even I've seen things that were actually really good over zoom. So yeah, I'm ready, but I'm also like totally open to doing online stuff still as well. Let me let me let me keep us bring us back into orbit around the the idea of you know lifts costing more and like sort of the, the cost of doing all this right because I think one of the things we find in the moment is people are really worried about inflation, gas prices are going up. I think you know so many people would use rideshare services to like show up to these shows and now they're just jacking the prices up because that model I think there was an article a little while ago about like you know the millennial lifestyle uh subsidy has now been ended by by Wall Street so like it's time to to reap profit do you guys do you guys think we're we could be in a row in a in a, you know, looking at a kind of a steep hill here in the next few months as, as people take a look at expenses and kind of wonder whether or not they can do these things or has this stuff always been such a, a luxury good that uh, the folks who are going to this stuff aren't going to be hit by that those concerns in quite the same way i know kevin that's something you often think about when it comes to like the cost of shows i i'm going to jump in on this one i think Great. that there's um I think specifically on like the experiential marketing side, I actually think that cost is going to now be a lot more varied. I think that this introduction of 
remote and all of the different promotional things, whether it's through like Amazon Studios or Blumhouse, the different promotional events that I've done that are remote um, are so much more cost effective for experiential marketing. So I think that there will still be the amazing and rarefied South by Southwest worlds that happen, but then there will also be so much more that's added to the mix that is sustainable and much more cost-effective, which opens it up to um, different organizations or entities that are smaller, that don't have those incredibly deep corporate pockets. Um, I also think that as Juliet's saying, you know, expressing this desire to have these virtual and remote options, I think, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think there's a whole accessibility conversation um, that happens alongside that. And I think that, again, it's it's a lot more cost effective for some of these productions that don't have live performances. I've got a couple of experiences that are here in my apartment where I received a shipment of some kind, and then it is self-guided. And there's a there's a real luxury to that of not only not having to travel, but then you can do it on your own time. You can do it um, solo, you can do it with a, a partner or a small group of people, and you can really structure it the way that fits best into your life. And I think that for these live in-person or site-specific shows, especially those that have live performances, my take at the moment is that that will all net out. I think it's it's frustrating to hear about some of these changes to things like Lyft or Uber, um, but I I don't personally I don't think that will stop the people that really want to go have that specific kind of experience and that specific kind of entertainment structure. Well, there's also you know, talk about experiential marketing and and some of the the big companies will still be doing that. Uh, you know the the, the the South by Southwest worlds, but there's also a phenomenon we've seen lately where, you know, the, the stranger things thing that popped up in LA or the, you know, army of the dead VR experience where these things are essentially like promotional events for Netflix, but they're, they're charging people money, right? Like they're being turned into attractions, Kevin. So I think on, on that note too, at uh, Midsummer Scream a few years ago, they actually had a panel about a lot of these kind of experiential marketing focused ones. And I think to a person, the panel said they lost money on all of these things, even like the big ones, like I think like the It House, like they didn't, they spent a lot of money and they, I mean, they're free, but I don't think they, they said the, whatever would need to like have some ROI there was, was astronomical with what they put in. So I think that's an interesting area, and I think it maybe it makes sense that they are are charging, even though it is essentially like marketing to people. It's still an experience, and I think that's something we've kind of. I think people consider the cost here, but not really because I I don't if you if you buy a ticket to the Pantages like back row or something, it's still going to cost you like eighty something bucks for for not even their prime shows, and like you'll spend less than that on, on some of these these very small intimate shows in Los Angeles. And I think that's kind of a weird, weird balance. So I don't I think people may need to be prepared to to pay more for some of these experiences because they are so kind of centralized and like personalized and, and focused on on you and they, they I think they cost a lot to get up and running and they have such short runs too. Um, so I think there's a lot to like kind of think about in terms of what people are paying 
how much of these things are going to cost um, and whether it is more of a, a luxury item than it's, than it's been in the past. Um, and I don't know where people are going to come down on that, whether it's like, I'm not going to pay 150 bucks for this show, but if you want to make money or the, the teams to make money so they can continue putting on these shows or pay their actors or any other number of factors, I think that's, that's something that's going to be a factor here as we, as we move forward, especially coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, I think there's, there's, oh, Catherine, go for it. Well, I was just going to say, and there's also kind of a middle ground, right? So you're not going to the hundred person show, but you might go to the like eight person show, like things like an escape room with just four people or the nest or um, Siobhan's new show, which I think is in a voiceover booth. That's just four people. You're, I think, mentally looking at what goes into these smaller scale intimate experiences you can kind of justify in your head like, oh, I see why it's so expensive. It's because it's so labor intensive. So there's also that too, where someone might have enough disposable income, doesn't want to be in a crowd, but they're willing to go to an escape room with a small number of friends and maybe pay a slightly higher premium because it's private. Yeah, very much so. And that I, like, I know they're not exactly connected, but I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot like, I know Disneyland kind of like has raised their prices. There's some complaints about that, but I don't know if I'd rather pay a premium and have a better experience than spend a slightly less money, but have a pretty crappy experience or take forever to get on things or kind of feel crowded out. Um, and I know not everybody's in the position that I'm in to be able to do that, but I think it is a, it is a factor here. Yeah. There's definitely a level where, you know, the, you can often feel when there's a massive cash grab going on and the quality of experience just like craters because so many humans are being pushed through. Um, and that's kind of unfortunate. And, and the funny thing is, is like, despite the fact that I think there's a lot of trepidation, we are seeing that, you know, the, the Van Gogh experience, I think the one that's at Amoeba you know, they're getting sellouts and Madcap Motel is getting a lot of people through. And every report I hear about Omega Mart is that it's like straight up crowded. And so even though there's there's all these economic, you know, concerns at the moment, d- demand, or like you just mentioned Disneyland, demand is there and, you know, isn't fading away. And I don't, I don't, I don't entirely know what that says about where, this this field exists like vis-a-vis the american economy like maybe it's a little more protected because it is you know the escape or the pinnacle or maybe it's a little more protected because it's just appealing to a very different demographic um than say the movies because like right now everyone's looking at the movies i mean granted who wants to be like in a dark theater with a bunch of folks at the moment? Me, maybe to some degree. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a weird moment. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to see ahead and and then see what's, what's coming down the line. Catherine. Yeah. I think the pendulum is going to swing wildly in one direction because of so much pent up demand for people who were able to work from home and had a disposable income and did not spend their vacation budget. Mm. And then at some point we'll probably reach equilibrium, but we're going to we're going to be rocking back and forth for a little while i think yeah yeah it's going to be kind of all over the place kevin oh and on on top of that too i think there's probably going to be a lot of hunger for this kind of like experiences people have been cooped up too like it's 
this is something different. It's something new. It's something like it's not just going to the movies. It's going to like experience something. So it's not it's, on a screen. Yeah, yeah. We've stared. Not on a screen, right? You you're looking at a laptop. You've got a screen in your pocket, and then when you're done with the laptop, you put a screen on your face, or you go sit in front of a bigger screen. Like we, a lot of us have been doing that for many months. All of our lives and screens all the time. And yet, I'm going to counter this a little bit because I also think, though, that our, I think that there are genuinely a lot of people that are so eager to get out. And uh, yeah, and get away from the screens and do stuff in person with other people. And and there it's um, there's all the different tactile and sensory elements. Um, but I also think that there are a lot of people that realize they don't want to go back to a lot of pre-pandemic aspects of their lives. They are putting in different boundaries around their time, their energy reserves, how they want to focus that on. Um, again, whether it's entertainment, whether it's relationships, I do think that there is going to be interesting shifts around how people prioritize their entertainment and 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 do they spend, do they go out to go to a movie or do they decide that when they're going to go out to do something that it is more like an immersive theater experience because they aren't necessarily now going to do both because they value different things that they learned and um experience for themselves during the pandemic and shifts that they realize might be beneficial for them moving forward. As we come up on the end of the segment here, I want to do something we did with the other crew, which is give everybody a minute to um, talk about what they're, what they're hoping for, what they're hoping to see uh, in sort of the year ahead. I think we'll do is we'll go in reverse order. We'll go Laura, Kevin, and then Juliet, uh, and then we'll be we'll be on to the third segment of this three hundredth episode. So Laura, um, brace yourself, and like Anthony's actually been doing a good job uh, tracking the time. Uh, so keep an eye on the chat. Uh, what uh, what's 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 you're looking for? Well, what are you looking forward to? What, what what's your hope for the year? My hope is for us to continue us, you know, broadly as an industry to continue breaking down silos and to really innovate and have interesting hybrid models. I'll use two that were pre-pandemic, but I also think they can be folded into so many things that we've seen over the past 15 months. So even though cages and the nest, which are specific to LA, um, I think these are great examples of really interesting innovation in the immersive theater space specifically. But again, as we've already touched on in our little segment here, I think that whether it's escape rooms, experiential marketing, uh, the whole haunting industry, um, I really think, again, installation art, I really think that we're going to continue to figure out interesting and innovative hybrid models. And that's the thing that I'm just, I'm just relishing how this is all going to move forward. Kevin, you're up. Uh, I just want to see some cool shit, man. Like, I don't, it's been a while, and I know, I know some of the people have been liked more of the remote stuff, and that's just, I really found that's not my bag. So I'm hoping to get back into, into these in person experiences. And I think I'm, I'm hoping people have learned lessons from some of the, the remote shows and are able to incorporate those in interesting ways. 
Um, and I think one of the things I think about a lot is having more intentional designs in some of these shows and really kind of thinking through the experience that that guests and, and attendees are, are getting to make sure it's a, a complete thing. It tells the story. It makes you sure it does what you want it to do. Because um, sometimes I feel like a lot of people lean on just like, oh, this is an in-person experience. Like we're going to press these buttons without kind of thinking through what that actually means. So my hope is is that I think we've seen some of that in these remote ones and that there's a way to continue to bring that into the in-person ones in a bigger way. Um, that's where I'm at. Juliet? I would like to see, well, like Laura said, I'm excited about the hybrid models. Uh, definitely want to see some of those things continue, some of the virtual things, some of the sent by mail. Um, there's someone who like sends you sense in the mail, and I just love that show, and I want to see those kind of things continue. Um, I want to see a big Halloween. I would like to continue to see, I think we've seen some increasing diversity in the voices that are in this space. I would like to see that increase. I would like to see fewer Instagram factories. I feel like people have probably lost their taste for those anyhow and are looking for more meaningful experiences. So I would like to see that happen. Um, and if any, I don't really want to see work that references the pandemic unless it's like really, really, really good. Oh my God. Like I'm so there with you. And like, I think if anyone thinks that they've got a piece of work that references the pandemic, that's really, really good. That's cool. Save it for five years from now. Just like pocket that pocket that shit. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> totally over it. Uh, it was very, it was, it was the worst year of our lives. Can we, can we, we, we learned lessons. Let's go. Uh, and I, I am not being flip about that at all. I mean, seriously, it was awful. Um, we, we, we need to sit and think about it and deal with it, but who, yeah. Difficulty level very high for someone who wants to tackle the pandemic as a theme. Um, just think four times before you do it and then don't do it. So, all right. On that note, Juliet, Kevin, Laura, thank you so much for spending uh, a half hour of your night with us uh, here on episode 300. Uh, we will be talking to you guys uh, in, in the not too distant future. I imagine both on the review crew and uh, occasionally on uh, the new form podcast. Woo. Thank you all. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Now we're rolling. Now we're rolling. It wasn't rolling until it was Are we rolling, rolling now? Are yeah, we rolling, rolling now? now? Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool, I, cool, cool. Uh, I made it. I realized I made a critical error uh, uh, with with the last two segments. That was I was wearing. Uh, I was wearing hard pants. So I was wearing jeans. I've now switched to uh, sweatpants. So Ooh, really much more cool. comfortable. Yeah, much more comfortable. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say something technical, like I nope. forgot to have everyone introduce their voices or whatever. But nope. no, nope. I mean, I just assumed you record the podcast without any pants on because oh, no. isn't that what? like being a podcaster is about. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I always wear 
some form of pants while Noah's recording. Professional. Noah no, Nelson, professional. going above and beyond as usual. Yeah, you, you, you <laughs> must wear you must wear pants when uh, when recording a podcast. It's well, true. Unless, you're, unless of course you're doing a nude cast, and that's a whole different thing altogether. So, mm, so I'm not going to happen. Nothing going to happen, Anthony. I don't think Patreon lets you put that kind of content up. I could oh, yeah, be it wrong. Does. Yeah, naked does. Ladies does it. Really? Yeah. Oh, albums naked. Okay. The voice you hear that is not Catherine or myself would be Anthony Robinson. Hey, Anthony. Hello, Noah. Hi, Catherine. How are you guys doing? Long time. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> been Jeff talking Ryan. to you for the last 90 minutes. <laughs> Anthony's been listening out on everything uh, uh, so that he knew kind of where we were and, 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 and what's up. Uh, and so uh, the you know, behind the scenes on this one, you know, recording, <laughs> recording the ending last no, recording the ending second to last and the beginning absolutely last. So uh, the thing you hear first will be the thing that we recorded last. But right oh, now, wait, this is this is going to be first. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. no. This, 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 this is going to be last. Okay. But then what we do last is going to be first. Okay. Maybe so you just ignorance is bliss. I'm just going to forget <laughs> you said any of that stuff. <laughs> um, we had the team do the origin stories. Hi. But I don't think we're going to do origin stories. I want to. I want to stay focused on um, sort of the moment. Oh man, I did homework. What? You did homework. You yes, want to tell? I did you, homework. You want to? You want to tell the origin story? You want to tell your so, origin story? Well, okay. I just have like two little tidbits that are fun. Okay, tell them. The first newsletter I ever got was from <gasps> oh. Zay in summer 2015, where he was raving about Hamlet Mobile and telling everyone to back the Kickstarter for Grand Paradise. That was the first time I like found the newsletter and subscribed to it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. The Kickstarter for Grand Paradise. That's That takes me back. Zay and, and I really love that show. So. And like how great um, all the performers were in Hamlet Mobile. <laughs> and uh, I guess Zay saw it with Mackenzie Fergins, who is also like, Yay, you know, Mackenzie. An actress and one of the voices in The Nest. <laughs> I mean, she's kind of like the main voice in The Nest. Yeah. She's Josie, like, right? Right, right. You know? She's Josie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah and Mac. then I have, a, yeah, I have a second tidbit um, if you want to talk a little bit about Mac. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll talk about Mac for a second. It's like uh, Anthony is Mac as well. Like Mac, Mac, I often refer to as my pseudo sister uh, because we're basically, we met in, we met in college. We met at SF State and... Uh, Kind of very rapidly, we bonded over Star Wars. Uh, this is, you know, <laughs> and uh, uh, <laughs> and then uh, sort of rapidly figured out that we were uh, we're both only children, and quickly figured out that we were like each other's sibling. Um, and so, uh, like, I actually crashed when I moved down to LA uh, over a decade ago uh, in in 2010. It was uh, I was crashing on, Ma on Max's floor. Um, but many adventures over the years. Um, and yeah, I was, I was, I remember Zay coming out to see Hamlet Mobile and I was just so excited for both of them. Cause like Mackenzie likes this stuff, um, you know, and, and sees it when she can. Uh, and I think we've taken her, I think I've taken her along to like a few things. Like, I can't remember. I can't remember. Anthony, do you know if she saw like Jamie's show? Remember I, the one? I think you, yeah. I, yeah. Cause that was the, the first one I remember you guys yeah for for me the way back machine goes uh uh for most proscenium was going to see jamie's show uh um at an appointed time and i remember you and mac you and mackenzie went to go see that show because you guys kind of 
almost broke the show at the end <laughs> by not leaving. Classic. So, um, uh, because 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 you know uh, it was this beautiful show and uh, you know er, early L, early LA scene and it just kind of kept it, it had a fade out as opposed to a clear like you know like and this is the end and uh, you guys just kind of hung out for a while until they were like okay that's it that's the show and I yeah remember, like laughing about that it might not have maybe it wasn't Mac who did that I'm trying to think because I, I know thought it was. Maybe I saw it twice. Anyway, like, or maybe Mac was it? Yeah, back was when it, there was so little that you could see it twice and not feel like you were leaving someone else behind. Exactly. I, I went by myself when I saw it. I was the only person there, so like that should wow. tell you. Yeah. Was, <laughs> Many yeah. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all uh, yeah that yeah that was like that was like six years ago or so. Like I don't know. Like I'm. Yeah. It's so weird. It's like. I'm the same person, but I'm a different person. You know, there's been like so much life between like now and then. Um, <laughs> children, life, death. Yeah, children for you. Yeah, yeah. like life now for me. Um, it's just been I don't know. Like we we did a we did a meetup last night. I mentioned this earlier in the show, and and it was also like you know, and and everyone had their mask off too, right? Like we were all you know, everyone attested to being vaccinated, and I guess kind of like kind of like what. Uh, you know, what Juliet was mentioning about like being on the bus, right? You know, like I, cause I, I, cause my mom had the whole like cancer thing last year and, you know, we wound up having to take her into radiation, um, which originally we weren't supposed to have to do that. And then we wound up having to do that. So like for like every day and every work weekday in September, I, you know, had to take her into the hospital, um, into the, to the radiation oncology department. And it was just, at first it was completely nerve wracking. It's like, it's the middle of a pandemic and I'm, I'm having to take someone into a hospital. Like I was just like, Oh my God, you know, we're going into ground zero. And by, by the time October had, you know, finished with me, I was just so wrung out that it like, I've, I felt like all the, all my anxiety receptors have pretty much been like burned out over the past year through like heavy use. (laughs) So like last night I was like, okay, I'm just assuming like everyone's actually vaccinated. Like this is a tight knit community. If someone's, someone's being bad, like it's really on them. And, you know, and, and, and God willing the Moderna holds. Right. Um, But it's, it, it just, it meant so much to see everybody again. And, and I mean, I was, I was doing the thing where, you know, lately it's been like kind of like uh, the day after a lot of a lot of socializing. I I would like kind of have like a social hangover, you know, this uh, this is weird reacclimation thing. But I didn't actually have that today. I just felt really on solid ground uh, and really like, you know, we we've got a good shot at at not getting things back to normal because there isn't going to really be you know, a normal for a while. And also we weren't even at, you know, the place that we would want to be our normal when all this stuff started happening. We were on this trajectory of growth and change. And what I kind of felt last night was that that trajectory of growth and change uh, is still there. And yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah. Cause like very different. So that 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 made me feel most like 
the path is right. You know, like it was, it was really easy over the past year to sort of feel disconnected from like the narrative of who we've been and what we've been doing, even as we've, we've tried to stay in touch with everybody, as we've done all the work. I mean, Catherine, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is probably the busiest year that no pros ever had, right? Um, oh God, when did I tweet that? Um, I was crunching numbers uh, because it's funny. Um, 20% of my Twitter feed is about VR people arguing if VR is dead or not. <laughs> Another big chunk of my Twitter feed is theater people arguing whether or not digital ca- work counts as real theater. And another big chunk of my Twitter feed is people arguing if something's actually a game or not. And then the remaining portion is people jokingly saying, this is environmental storytelling, and then putting up a funny picture. But yes, um, (laughs) I think I, during the pandemic, like it was like 14 months that I crunched the numbers, we had about 600 experiences coming through. And these are all ones that had some level of embodiment or interactivity. And then there were a couple like handful of pod plays and things that were mailed and a couple of like small outside shows or more site specific where you like curated your own journey. Um, But yes, more remote or online friendly shows than IRL shows, I think in 2019. And now that the IRL shows are back, we have even even more material coming in because people are still making online and remote work and people are making perhaps medium or small scale in-person work. We still have the same number of writers, y'all. So please don't take it personally. We do not have enough bandwidth, which is why we've switched to the capsule reviews and the rundowns and doing more diaries. But, you know... Um, Online shows from all over the world still coming in every day. And then New York has been doing a lot of really interesting stuff in terms of site-specific, promenade, um, even some of the like smaller scale ones where it was indoors and it was one person in an automated room or one person interacting with one performer behind plexiglass or two people inside an installation, but there was some sort of barrier in between the performers and the audience. Like all of this innovation keeps happening, keeps happening, stuff outside, um, stuff wherever people can put it. And everyone is now kind of pulling from that immersive toolbox, right? So we don't have enough reviewers. So again, I am sorry if we do not get to your show. I'm so sorry. Anthony? Well, you know, to that note, it, the neatest thing that I think of this this last year, I mean, like, if there's been any good at it, come out of being forced to rethink how immersive works and, and what immersive is for people, um, is the fact that the amount of creativity that's blown up is something that we haven't seen since you started this, Noah. I mean, mm. it is it has been intense. It has been hard to keep up with. And quite frankly, I'm here for it. Like, I love the fact that we've now got experiences that have moved international because of the, you know, because of being able to do remote, remote things. I love the fact that we have people who can play from places that don't traditionally, you know, traditionally six years, traditionally <laughs> get, get to, to experience, you know, this kind of, this kind of, this kind of thing. Um, I mean, the fact that folks who, may live in a town and we always talk about this about access right 
mm-hmm. folks who live uh, who don't live in a uh, in a town that's usually big, you know, like New York or LA or, or Chicago, um, you know, where where most of the immersive pops off, get to play. They get to experience it. They get to get take part in it. And yeah. and then, I, I mean that that came huge. and yeah, and that came up. That was someone someone's wish uh, yeah. in the first segment. And I mean, I think I think that's probably like the thing we're going to see that's going to be have the best impact on you know local smaller you know smaller population scenes artistic scenes is because of you know people will go and say like oh like this this show that's like on zoom like it's based off something that was like physical like well we could do something like that like you mean on zoom no like physical or like people doing vr theater and being like well we don't have the ability to develop like all of like the tech to do it it's like yeah but that was just like actors in a room what if we just got the black box theater and stood it up like Catherine, could you like imagine someone who like hasn't done immersive theater maybe doing like Welcome to Respite and then being like, wait a second, I can't make the VR, but I could do this in. Yes, many, many people who were gamers, who love VR games, who found something like the Underpresents and then realized that there was a community around that and that the live actors in the Under weren't a one-off, but there was actually a community of people who are interested in these sorts of things. And that was their first immersive experience was the actors in the under and then starting to go to shows in alt space or rec room or VR chat. Like that's their first exposure. And then they're getting curious about like, oh, is there in-person immersive in my town? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, maybe we should go check it out. So uh, yeah, getting your peanut butter in my chocolate, getting my chocolate in your peanut butter. I just, I always oh, want the theater say, people to- in, I've got Reese's in my uh, kitchen and now I want it. <laughs> I love it when the theater people infiltrate a game and I love it when like games folks realize that it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be on a console or a PC. You can have uh, LARPs and escape rooms and stuff in themed entertainment. And so- I mean, that's, that is increasingly my jam, especially as I'm reaching my thesis year. And given that I'm working at Tender Claws for the summer, I just, I'm all over all of that, like kind of video game, virtual reality, immersive theater crossover. But, but I mean, that's, that's in many ways, that's how Noah and I got in it. Like, I, I, you know, I don't want to speak for Noah, but like, I know that's kind of how I got into this realm. Like, you know, I was a quasi come theater nerd and who, who, did D and then stumbled into LARP, and you know when you realize that like half you know half the LARPers are theater people, <laughs> you know it's like wait what, you know theater theater people and costumers, and when you get that kind of cross pollinization that you realize that you can use it to your advantage, um, you know when when you talk about using every single tool in the toolbox to put up a show to put up an experience, when you have folks who write games who understand that like, you know, like that there are elements that work together very well. When you have folks who are live action role players who realize that, Oh, you know, I can borrow something, you know, from uh, improv theater that works here and improv theater people who realize like, Oh, well, you know, touching each other is a thing. I mean, like it may not be, we don't know how it's going to play out yet, but you know, touching each other and to make it more real is a thing. And you put all those things together and you end up with something beautiful. And, it, you know, 
it's been said by many people like you know tonight um you know leah talked about it a bunch um it it it, it continues to excite me it continues to be what brought me into this this world is you know the cross-pollinization mm. of you know tv and gaming and and theater and and um you know live action role-playing and costuming and prop making like all that stuff works together to make a world and if you can build the world and make it interesting and have story there for somebody to at least glean off of it you've got something magical and that and 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 I'm glad that people have been able to, to, to put that together for this last year in, in new ways. So. When, and when the world building works and when the, and I think most importantly, when the, the characters and their lives are compelling, you know, it almost doesn't matter what the medium is, you know, I mean, the grand example of that, of course, <laughs> Star Wars and, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and, and having, and having both like, you know, the characters that we love, and then that means that we fall in love with the world, and then we want to inhabit the world. So that's why people go to Disneyland and Disney World to like Galaxy's Edge, or why people do cosplay stuff and you know, or or dive in on the Oculus. But like it doesn't have to be this, you know, mega, mega IP. It can also just be, you know, smaller stories that people are telling. And and I think that there's there's a thing where, you know, if there's there's a a framework or a rule set or, or just a, a way of playing um, that can lure people into these spaces as well. I, I think a lot about what's going on with, you know, through the, the Twitch revolution in tabletop gaming and how many people are watching shows like critical role and discovering tabletop role playing because of that, or discovering specifically D and D and then some people branching out from D and D and some people just sticking with D and D, which is, the way it's always been in tabletop role playing. But I also think about experiments when you get, you know, and I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I know, you know, Sam Roberts is one of the co-creators on the maze on planet seven, which is being DM'd by uh, Satine Phoenix, uh, who's been, you know, DMing and, and, you know, for D and D for a, a few years now on Twitch. And they're doing like interactive stuff with the, with the audience. And, this is where kind of our world starts to feather into that one. You know, you know, Sean Stewart had made like an interactive play on Twitch and we've had other people go to these like Twitch interactive plays. And, and, you know, there's folks like after hours theater companies, pixel playhouse that like, you know, looked at that platform. And so this is a way for us to reach a lot of people. And there's this kind of broadening, world where it it might not all be intimate immersive experiences but there's these kind of broadly interactive experiences and then it gets people diving in and gets people wanting more and you you get to the end of that arc and you have the people who are fans of these Twitch D&D shows decide to start playing role playing games with their friends and maybe they're trying to stream and become famous but they're playing, they're doing live plays. And the more people who are exposed to the work, the more who start to do the work and play the games and experiment with interactivity and start to think about, well, how can we stand this up? How can we make this physical? Or how can we put this into VR? And it's this beautiful kind of virtuous circle that's going on right now. And 
I, I don't, I know that the vast majority of it will still be people engaging passively or kind of using it all as background noise because that's how most people engage with media. Um, but not everybody and, and definitely not the people who kind of drive the, the taste making cycles. And so I think there's a, there's a real opportunity here for people who are interested in either reaching larger audiences or just like you know, building up, finding more people to play with, to, to, to go in that direction and see what these platforms, these sort of mass platforms give in the way of affordances. Yes. And right. Like games should be for everyone. Play should be for everyone. I hate that it feels radical to like say that out loud. Mm. And I know you've made this point a lot, Noah, that a lot of us have forgotten how to play. And so I, I really hope that whether it's through an Oculus Quest headset or it's through an immersive activation or it's through watching someone playing an RPG on Twitch that like that spark gets rekindled because I mean, you know, the, the other team acknowledges as well. It's been kind of a shitty, I don't know, past dozen months and it'd be nice <laughs> to have lots of joy and fun and human connection with friends near and far. And if you all of a sudden look down and realize that you're LARPing one day, so be it. Like LARP gets a bad rap, but there's a lot of things out there where if you look at it from a slant, you're like, actually, this is kind of like LARP. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, full, full disclosure, my year, I spent a lot of it doing, you know, traditional tabletop, but online with, with friends. It's, it's what got me through this year. Um, you know, I, I started off the year playing, uh, playing werewolf with PG, uh, PG law, uh, who's been a guest on, on our podcast and, and a couple of other people who were playing like, uh, you know, the werewolf, you know, uh, game, uh, with people. And then, you know, I've been playing, Star Wars role-playing games. I've been playing Call of Cthulhu role-playing games. It's what's got me through. And, you know, the fact that we were able to connect with people, and in some ways I was able to connect with people who I haven't haven't hung out with in literally years. Um, it's been the weird up, up, upside about this, this whole thing this last year. Um, it's just being able to bring that into... Being able to bring that connection into... Um, into playing and having fun and realizing that some of the people in the immersive world also like to play and have fun too, you know, from actors to creators and stuff. Um, and, and I've managed to connect with a bunch of those people as well. Oh, so, I mean, I mean, just on a philosophical level, right? Like I, I don't think anyone who creates in the immersive world doesn't like to play and have fun. Right. You know, like that's, right. that's the, that's the thing, you know, like not, not that, not that you're saying that they don't, but like, you know, I we, think for, that's we forget that they that's that's where their base comes from. You know, yeah, they want to they want to have fun doing that's, what they're doing. That's the heart of it. You know that that moment of it, it's all it's all playing make believe. You know, it's all it's all getting back to like you know the the freedom of possibility of 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 a game of make believe between between two people of any age, right? Right, and um, it, it's been really neat. 
what one of the things one of the things I've learned this year, and and uh, is that so many of the the actors um, who who take part in this just like playing with people. You know, they they, they enjoy the interaction. I mean, it's part of why you get into acting, right? It's like you enjoy the interaction, you enjoy creating the worlds and the character. Um, but I know a lot of these actors just enjoy enjoy people, and you know, I, I know that's not true for every actor who goes in, into the business, but a lot of immersive actors just enjoy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people right. and they enjoy playing along with people. So, uh, you know, just seeing the response of like, you know, like if I do this then the other person does that, you know, it's, that's, right. that's it's, what, it's what the audience can bring to the table as yes. the yes and jumping off point, all of that like spontaneity stuff for this specific flavor of actor, right? Like, Every night is literally different. You really don't know what's going to happen. I, um, when I was in Welcome to Respite, I said something because I was um, the, the little kid character. And then later, I think Witten said, you know, no one ever asked dad to do that instead of mom. And they just like went with it and they leaned into the moment and it was, it felt really magical and special. Yeah, I think that's also the thing that's going to be the secret sauce for a while, for a long, long while on these creations is is having the actors who can run with it. You know, that's the thing that fully scripted um, experiences, whether they're VR or whether, you know, buying like a D&D module. You know, it, it it takes people playing within within what the given structure to make it really come to life. And when you put people in, and that, that, that maybe one of the reasons why I'm like so obsessed intellectually with the way role playing fits into this is like the business model for role playing games is to sell the rule sets and sell the modules, but then they're brought to life by thousands millions of people all riffing on the same script and creating their own miniature productions. And that's the exact same model as plays, right? Like this is, this is the way. My Hamlet is different than your Hamlet is different than Hamlet mobile. Like, come on. Yeah. You know, you know, uh, you know, Kevin Conroy's Batman is different from Ben Affleck's Batman. Is different from the one who you play in Arkham Asylum, who's also still voiced by Kevin Conroy, but but you're playing him, right? You know, is like, different from a five year old spaghetti Batman. Absolutely, but they're all valid Batmans. They're every Batman. All, all Batman. Batmans are valid. <laughs> all all Batmans, Batmans are, are valid. valid. <laughs> yes. Now that would be the name. Maybe that is. Maybe that's the name of the episode. <laughs> all Batmans, all Batmans, are, Batmans are valid. <laughs> Be good for the SEO, let me tell you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so I've been teasing some, you know, uh, that we're going to be doing stuff differently after this episode. Um, and I've obviously been talking a lot about role-playing games. Uh, so I think it's time for me to, like, come clean. Uh, no person is going to make a live play role-playing game. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Every Friday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. We're, we're, we're going to spend the next six months doing uh, every part of the Ravenclaw, uh, uh, you know what I'm trying to say, yeah, like uh, Strahd, yes, yes, all yes, the yes, stuff. Yes. Like yes. we're going to be 
all through Van Richten's guide, every page, syllable by syllable, we're going to do it right, unlike everyone else. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we're not no doing pro that. No pro the ARG. But... We're not doing that. No pro the ARG. Because Noah hates OBS, so we're not doing that. Yeah, I really do not like OBS. Uh, well, no more. it's more like uh, I, I hate Spectrum, because like, if we tried it, it would fail. Um, because we tried it and it failed, but, uh, maybe, maybe it's going to You don't even need a green screen. Don't even need a green screen. I know it's true. <laughs> no. Uh, what we are going to be doing though is, you know, we've got this beautiful platform here. We've got this audience who deals with us week in, week out, uh, and who are incredibly loyal and incredibly consistent, um, but maybe like a little too consistent because like, like the show has not grown in a while. Um, and I think that one of the reasons why that is, is that, you know, any given week, um, you know, we have a guest on, on a week, most of the time. We go and deep. We, we go, go pretty deep. <laughs> we, go, we go pretty deep. Yeah. But, you know, like uh, there's, there's little hacks you can do to like, make uh make a show reach more people like we were often dependent upon that guest's audience and how interested they are in in hearing what they have to say about you know going deep on their craft and we'll still have a place for that we'll still do that kind of work that'll still be what you'll find particularly you know on bonus episodes and particularly in the Patreon feed. But going forward, we're, we're going to be taking more of a magazine format approach. We don't right now, when you listen to the podcast, you don't get a snapshot of where this whole field is as a whole on any given week. It'll take like about a month, month and a half to get that snapshot. The goal is to give you that snapshot every week now. Um, not a definitive, like, this is where we are, but a lens to view all the different aspects through. Uh, it's one of the reasons why we're taking a bye week uh, next week, because we need some time to wrap up production on what we've been making. I've got to travel a little bit and get some more stuff for the first episode, but we've been banking interviews and scheduling a lot of stuff. And I'm excited about how it's going to evolve. It won't be exactly what it's going to be right from the first episode, right from episode 301, but it's going to be pretty radically different. Um, and by pretty rad, I mean like incredibly radically different show. Um, we will still get the team together and do stuff like this. Um, and indeed we may take like breaks between runs to do these kinds of episodes where we get everybody together and just like, you know, shoot the shit. Cause that's also fun. Um, but yeah, um, all new format all new format, all new era. And hopefully um, this new format will be really of service to everyone and, and give you more of a view of the way uh, the immersive world is shaping up to be 
uh, on the regular basis. So yeah, that's what's up. I'd say also this kind of aligns it a little bit closer to what we've been doing in our Discord every Wednesday with the review crew, um, different staff members talking about the stuff that they've been seeing recently. Same goes for the rundown, which is where we're collating a bunch of smaller reviews just to get people a taste of what's happening right now. So I think, uh, yeah, just more of that because people seem interested and it's really nice, at least from what I've been seeing to have that mix of installation art and a Zoom show and a pod play and maybe an escape room or two or something just really unexpected that's on the fringes of immersive, like having that in the mix. Yeah. And, and being able to, you know, tap in with people in the game design field who are doing these weird experiments or who are like messing around with stuff on Twitch uh, you know, I don't want to, I, I don't want to like, you know, spoil what some of this stuff is going, but you know, we'll have a little mini sode next week that'll give people a little taste of what the first episode is and maybe what some of the other episodes coming forward are. And hopefully, hopefully also we can grow the audience. Like, you know, like let's, let's be real. Like part of the reason to do this is to get more people listening and hopefully the 300 episodes that we've done, uh, the 300 numbered episodes that we've done, uh, will be of value to those new folks who will be like, oh, I want to know more about this. Um, but we'll just be, <laughs> my blood sugar's dropping. We've been at this for a while. This is like the fourth hour I've been in the chair. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be, we'll be covering more. We'll be going, we'll be going wider. Um, and it's going to be, gonna be hard work uh it already is but i'm i'm excited because you know when i started this podcast you know probably been around for about a year and um as i remember it and the very first interview we did was with annie saunders of the about the day shall declare it that was an episode zero that we put up on soundcloud uh, and then would like later like put into the podcast feed, and I put up a Patreon after I did that recording, which was done on my laptop's microphone. And I said, "If you want <laughs> to do a podcast, you must pay the Libsyn fee for us." Our our first goal was like twenty five dollars a month, and we hit that like within an hour of, of putting it up. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doing a podcast. And that's how, that's the literal origin story of the podcast part. <laughs> okay. I guess we're doing a podcast, I, the Noah Nelson story. Yeah. And, <laughs> and now, but I, and I always treated it like it was a busman's holiday because at the time I was working for youth radio, which is now called YR media, uh, up in the Bay area, uh, a, a a nonprofit that I had worked with on and off for like two decades since I was a teenager, since I was a student. And now I was the, first a student then a teacher. And then like, you know, like the longest, you know, recurring staff member. And, you know, I was, you know, on occasion I would get to make produce pieces for NPR. And so when I did the podcast, I was like, look, I'm not going to do that. Like I, I can't, bring myself to try and do what I do for NPR for, you know, Patreon money. And also just because when I let myself go and really 
really get into like designing like a produce piece like it gets really resource intensive and there was all these other things too and i had a day job and i couldn't like spend them out of time well i don't have the day job anymore even though i'm still massively busy because um all of this takes a lot of work and organizing the summit takes a lot of work and helping to get leia off the ground takes a lot of work but i love it um particularly when i get to like reconnect with everybody like last night it's like oh right there's a reason why i do this it's all of these faces great but I woke up about two months ago and I was like, you, this is no longer a busman's holiday because you no longer drive a bus. Would you like to drive a bus again, Noah? I, I realized I missed making better produced pieces. I, I missed the art of audio. I missed the art of storytelling uh, in this medium. And as much as I love talking to a microphone, and I think everyone knows, I really love talking into a microphone. Like, <laughs> really do no not at all i love the craft of storytelling with these tools even more so um and i've never shared that part of me with the podcast and i'm really looking forward to doing that so yeah a month ago yeah it was a month ago noah and i sat on the floor of his living room, ate Thai food, and we started imagining what the podcast could be. Hence the vague tweet the next morning. It was mm-hmm. the first time we'd seen each other in mo- <laughs> months. And so... Two days I, after Anthony had been inside the apartment too. Yeah. <laughs> like Anthony was the first person and then Catherine. I was like, I haven't hugged someone who isn't my husband for so long. But yeah, um, I think as you said, y'all ain't ready. No, you're not. You're, you're not. not ready. You're not yeah. ready for this. And I was like, what? And it was like, oh, Anthony, it's on. So it's on. It's and on. and I got to say, and now to be the awful tease that I am, like, uh, I mean, in the long run, there will not be, in, unless we get a really big audience and can start paying some people, uh, in the long run, there will not be a produced piece every week. Uh, but at least once, probably probably closer to twice a month after the summer, there will be produced pieces. Um, and th- I'm sorry, uh, that'll be uh, that'll be really cool. But also because of the format, again, we're going to be able to just bring you so much more each week, bring you more of the world each week. And uh, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier in it. You know, we we have the the the, the writers of uh, Newfoundland, The Long Haul, which is on Audible right now, which is the sequel to the Yarnies ARG, and those, that's Sean Stewart, who is one of our favorite guests ever on the show. Uh, it's Austin Grossman, who we've been uh, we've been desperately trying to get to come to the summit forever, and like the the world keeps on you know, putting these giant blocks into it. Uh, and uh, it's Neil Stevenson, who maybe is partly responsible for me being here. And I did not mention that at all to him during the interview. <laughs> I, like, played it cool. Uh, I still got a new curmudgeon at one point. It was kind of fun. Um, and, like, that's going on the show. And that's just one of the things in episode one, right? That's just one. Uh, there's so much more. 
Soon so. you will witness the firepower <laughs> of the fully armed and operational Noah oh, Nelson. I think your friends yeah, was- will find that the shield is quite operational. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's a trap. It's always a trap. It's always a trap. It's always a trap. Immersive um, thirst trap. Immersive thirst trap. So yeah. So that's 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 where we're going. That's where we're going. And on that note, uh, I want to thank everyone uh, for for being part of this very special 300th episode. I'm going to vamp here for a second because we're actually going to do the credits, and I realize I need to, you know, uh, actually have, do have the, them in front have of them you in front of me to do it. So, uh, y'all have any closing uh, closing messages you want to send out to everybody? Holy shit, 300. Wow. Imagine two, two, 200. We were together. We were get, together for 200. Were we? Uh, oh my I God, was, I don't remember that. <laughs> um, I know Noah and I, were, Noah and I were on the stage together for, for episode 200 um, that we did at Two Bit Circus. The live, oh, the yeah, live okay. episode in front of a live studio audience where we did this mess and I did my announcer duties. Um, That's right. And, um, you know, the fact that here it is 100 episodes later. You know, all these years later, uh, the fact that you guys keep me keep me here, um, I find amazing. The fact that you guys keep putting up with me, and that people still listen to me yammer, um, I'm appreciative to be part of this and part of this world, um, part of this culture because it is its own little subculture, um, the immersive world. And um, I, I will say it over and over again that I am proud of the work that No Pro does, and I will scream into the clouds. Um, that it is important work. It is work that is coming, continues to move forward. And I'm looking forward to the next 300 to see what comes up. Love it. Oh dear. Wow. See, I I can't, I can't follow that. Also when Anthony said 600, I just like a chill went down my spine. Yeah. I'm trying to think about it. (laughs) To 600. Catherine, Catherine will be producing her own shows like in like the virtual world with you know like in multiple locations the meta meta metaverse. Like, like, metaverse it's gonna be eight yeah. doff i don't know <laughs> oh god let's not <laughs> uh, although they just give me it's giving me some good ideas about about fun content in the future all right so the music for <laughs> that's staying in the show the take mu- two the music for No Presidium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The sustaining backers of No Presidium are Ari Hurston. I'm doing the I'm doing the alphabetical one. Ari Hurston, Brittany, Deborah Robinson, Elaine, Emily Gillette, Lonnie Hanson, Paul F., Mark Baltazar, Samuel Mystery, Sydney Guillory, and Jan Budman. You got us here this far, and you're taking us farther. Thank you all so much. And until next time, we'll see you at the show. Bye.